I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. So if you buy, sell, or use a ghost gun or a kit gun, uh, there are new things that you're going to have to navigate as part of that process. Today, President Biden announced new regulations on these kinds of guns, again, often called ghost guns or kit guns, uh, as well as some other actions to help address gun crime and violence across the country. And as we start down this path, I just want everyone to exhale for just a minute. Uh, I want us to reject all of the fake fights and the false choices that are often presented uh, by both the right and the left uh, when it comes to guns. And we want to go through just this as a very targeted, very specific piece. Uh, there's also some other things that the president announced today that are of interest. And so let's just go through this process in terms of these ghost guns, what they are, what it means, uh, and how we actually move forward with what the president announced uh, and signed today. So he announced the ban on unlicensed ghost gun kits and explained uh, from his point of view exactly what that means. Today, the United States Department of Justice is making it illegal for a business to manufacture one of these kits without a serial number. Illegal. Illegal for a licensed gun dealer to sell them without a background check. And starting today, weapons like the one used in Saugus High School and to ambush deputies with us to, that are here with us today are being treated like the deadly firearms they are. And if somebody sells a ghost gun to a federally licensed dealer, for example, a pawn shop, that dealer must make the firearm and mark it with a serial number before reselling it. All of a sudden, it's no longer a ghost. It has a return address. The president went on to say the Department of Justice would be able to federally prosecute those who buy and sell those kits. In February, the Department of Justice launched a, nation, a national gun ghost gun enforcement initiative intensifying our efforts to bring cases against those who use ghost guns illegally we're teaching investigators and prosecutors best practices how to build these cases and assigning a coordinator in each of the atf field divisions to serve as a point person for helping federal state and local law enforcement go after ghost guns if you commit a crime with a ghost gun expect federal prosecution that was a big part of the call out for the president that uh, don't think just because you put something together uh, in a kit that you will be able to uh, duck the system and avoid prosecution. 
Now, the president went on uh, in his address today to talk about a number of other things that can help uh, around the country. And it was very interesting to me uh, that as he went through this process, he he addressed specifically uh, law enforcement and their role in reducing crime and violent crime in America. And he said it wasn't about defunding, uh, which was a popular catchphrase. Uh, he said it was actually about funding and having a little better focus and a little more resources. For funding strategy, we know reduce gun crime, community policing and community violence interruption. Look, I've said it many times. The answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police and give them the tools and training to support they need to be better partners and protectors of our communities need. Now, I applaud the president in that line, and he's been very emphatic about that for some time now and continues to repeat that phrase that it isn't about defunding, which was very popular with his party uh, and with many on the left. Uh, the president has said to his own party, to his own supporters, that was wrong. It wasn't about defunding. It's about funding properly with focus, with transparency and with accountability. And we all can applaud that. Uh, that is part of the solution. And so, again, whether you're on the left, the right, the center, or anywhere in between, you can say, okay, that's, that's a good thing. If we have transparency, if we have the right kind of funding, the right kind of mission and focus to support police, uh, that's a good thing for everybody. Now, the president also called on Congress uh, for something that he's been very passionate about all the way back to his days in the United States Senate, and that's universal background checks and to ban assault weapons. But none of this absolves Congress, with all due respect to my members of Congress here, they're the wrong people I'd be talking to, for the responsibility to act. We need Congress to pass universal background checks. Universal background checks. And I know it's controversial, but I got it done once. Ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. President uh, also made some interesting comments uh, around these rogue gun dealers. Uh, this was interesting to me. Uh, I had not heard these numbers before. That five percent of the gun dealers sold ninety percent of the illegal uh, guns out there. That uh, again, a, a small fraction of gun dealers uh, were were doing things in a way that was uh, that was negative. So most of them were following the rules. Most of them were doing it the way. Uh, it is outlined. Now, the president also called out gun manufacturers in terms of their lobbying efforts and what they have been doing as this debate has continued in our country. Gun manufacturers have more immunity from liability than any other American industry. So they've never had to take responsibility for the death and destruction their products cause. And by the way, it's going to sound bizarre. I support the Second Amendment. You have a right. From the very beginning, the Second Amendment didn't say you can own any gun you want, as big as you want. You couldn't buy a cannon when, in fact, the Second Amendment passed. And certain people from the very beginning weren't allowed to purchase guns. There's nothing new. It's just rational. Look, this should be just a start. We need to repeal the liability shield of gun manufacturing and finally hold them accountable for false advertising and many other things they do. One of the other things that the president pointed out, uh, I don't think it's got nearly enough play uh, in the national media for sure. And that was in talking about, well, how do we reduce this culture of crime? And how do we make sure that we aren't just sending 
communities and individuals, young people specifically, uh, down this never-ending downward cycle as it relates to crime and violent crime in particular. And he talked about community programs. He talked about uh, families and neighborhoods and communities. He talked about criminal justice reform. He talked about youth programs. He talked about the way that we reintroduce those who have been in prison back into community and how vital that is. Uh, he, he actually referenced, he said, you know, it, it's been the norm in a lot of places that after you serve your time, you, you get a bus ticket and 25 bucks and you're on your way. And the president described how that usually sends you to the same bridge, the same neighborhood, the same problems uh, that the person had before they went to prison. And I think that is true. And we have some extraordinary models of that here in our own community in Salt Lake City of how do you do that in a different way? How do you create upward mobility and opportunity? How do you help those in the criminal justice system to develop the skills and the disciplines and the character that they probably didn't get when they were living on the street or when they were addicted to drugs or when they were part of a gang? Uh, we have great places like the Other Side Academy and others uh, who are are doing just that, introducing the dignity of work and helping those who've been in that system, caught and trapped in that system, uh, develop the skills and the abilities and the vision to see their way clear and to see their way out, to see their way up. Uh, and those are things we can all get behind. And so while there'll be a lot of debate about what the president announced today, uh, my biggest problem was that it had to be done by executive order uh, rather than by Congress. So we know that this will lead to a lawsuit that will end up in the courts and will likely end up all the way at the Supreme Court. And so I will remind you that is why Supreme Court nominations are so political. It's because when Congress fails to act and presidents act through executive order, lawsuits will be filed and it will end up in the courts. And it will languish in the courts for a long time and eventually it will make its way to the Supreme Court. But that doesn't give us our best results. It doesn't give us the best conversations either. It gives us political conversations rather than serious conversations in our communities. Crucial conversations, uncomfortable conversations about everything from homelessness uh, to the lack of, of fathers in the home uh, to a host of other things that you can trace and look in, a, in so many violent crimes, especially those uh, that deal with firearms and guns. And so there are a lot of conversations to be had. The president clearly added to that today. And there'll be great debate about what his order does and does not do, what it should and should not do. And yes, it will end up in the courts. But it's a conversation we ought to be having anyway. And we ought to have a different kind of conversation. And we're going to continue to do that uh, as this progresses here on Inside Sources. We'll go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to take a look at why it's so hard for employers to keep workers in the current economy. Jared uh, Walzak is going to join us from the Tax Foundation coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. 
In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.